The scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just take a moment and pray uh, for God to speak to us. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask now for clarity of speech from me, for um, openness of hearts and understanding for all of us so that it would be your voice that we hear today. In Christ's name, amen. So the season of Advent has traditionally in the church been a time when we've read passages that talk about how God prepared Israel for the first coming of the Messiah and how God prepares us today for the return of the Messiah. And you can tell from the passage we looked at today that when, when God wanted to prepare Israel for the Messiah's ministry, the way he got them ready was he sent this preacher named John. And uh, we often call him John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. And you, you notice the main thrust of John's message was what? It was repentance. That's what he talked about. Repent, he said, verse 2, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And you, you may know that in the Bible, John is not the only person who talked about repentance. In fact, through the Bible, through the New Testament, when, whenever God is preparing his people to work in their lives, he consistently calls them to repent. So, for example, Peter called the worshipers in Jerusalem to repent in Acts chapter 2. And Paul, in Acts 17, called the Athenians to repentance. And Jesus said, Jesus said in Luke chapter 24 that the mission of the church is what? The mission of the church, he said, is to proclaim repentance for the forgiveness of sins to all nations in Jesus' name. So you find this throughout the Bible. Whenever God is ready to work in a people's lives, he always calls them to repent. In fact, Jesus said, how's this? He said, Luke 13, Jesus said, unless you repent, you will perish. 
So th this, is, this is essential that we repent. The question I want to ask today is, what does that mean? What does it mean to repent? Have you repented? Are, are you repenting? How, what does this mean? Well, here's the answer. Repentance is a work of God's grace. God is the one who does this in us. But this work of God's grace always leads us to respond in four ways, all right, and here they are. When, when you repent, you feel something, you say something, you do something, and you seek someone. So don't worry, I'm gonna go through that. We'll, we'll start with the first. Re, um, repentance is something you feel. There's an emotional element to repentance. I don't know if you've ever had um, somebody Maybe they broke a promise to you, or they said something unkind about you, or they, they hurt you in some way. And when they realize that you're upset, have you ever had this happen? They, they, they just kind of flippantly say, I'm sorry if you were offended. I'm sorry if you feel hurt. You know, they, they're saying they're sorry, but you can, you can tell from the tone of their voice, they don't really feel any remorse at all about what's happened. Has that ever happened to you? you know, the, the Bible would say that such a person is not repentant. In, in fact, the old Westminster Shorter Catechism said that when, when we truly repent, it says we, we, we feel grief over and hatred of our sin. We've, we feel something deep inside. There, there's an emotional element to repentance. Now, when you read the Bible, how, how, do you, how do you see people's emotions? You can't see emotions, but you can see the physical uh, expression of emotion. And so throughout the Bible, whenever people are truly repenting and they're grieving over their sin, you see them performing certain actions that just kind of express their emotional state. So have you read things like this in Scripture? You'll, you'll read of people um, fasting. You'll read of people wearing sackcloth, whatever that is. You'll, you'll read of people covering themselves with ashes or, or lying on the ground. These are just physical ways that people express the emotions that they're feeling over the fact that they've drifted from God. So where do we see people expressing emotions in, in today's passage? Well, they're expressing their emotions by being baptized. Let, let, let me explain. Um, baptism in the time of John Baptism meant something different back then than it does for us. John, John lived and died before the death and resurrection of Christ, before the, the start of the Christian church. So, so his baptism was not Christian baptism. Christian baptism for us is a, it's a sign of the new covenant. It's a, a symbol that one has been united to Christ, that somebody's been, been uh, uh, brought into the church. Um, but for John, baptism was different. For In John's day... Um, Baptism was something that Gentiles would do when they wanted to become Jewish. So a, a pagan, a Gentile proselyte who was converting to the Jewish faith would, would evidence that the fact that they were embracing the Jewish faith by bathing themselves with water. It was, it was something Gentiles would do. So the question about this passage is why? Why are these people from Judea and Jerusalem? These are Jews. Why are all these Jewish people um, why are they doing something only Gentiles would do? Why are they being baptized? Well, I, I would say this. For them, baptism, this was their sackcloth. This was their ashes. This, this, was, this was the way of, of, of these people humbling themselves and physically expressing this deep, deep emotional grief that they felt over what had happened to them spiritually. 
So when they were entering the waters of baptism, it was for each one of them, it was as if they were saying, God, I am so, so sorry. I humble myself like, like a common Gentile. I humble myself and I come to you and I grieve over how I've drifted from you. Lord, I grieve over how distant I am from you. I grieve for how I've neglected you. This, this was this emotions that they're expressing. So we're all wired differently emotionally. Would you we agree with that? We express our emotions differently. But here's a question. What, what, would it, what would it look like for you to grieve, really grieve over perhaps where you are spiritually today? Just express that to God. God, I, I feel something inside. Now, a question you might be ask, asking is, what if I don't feel anything? And what if, what if I, I know I'm far from God, but to be honest, I just don't, I feel dead inside. That's a problem we face, isn't it? I would suggest if that's where you are, like you're not even feeling grief over your sin, the thing to do would be to pray and say, Holy Spirit, I, I need you. I, I need you. I, I need you to awaken me and, and soften me and break my heart. Please, won't you? Year, years ago, we used to sing this, uh, this Christian song, and the words go like this. Soften my heart, Lord, soften my heart. From all indifference, set me apart to feel your compassion, to weep with your tears. Come soften my heart, Lord. Soften my heart. Maybe that's something you need to pray today. So, but anyway, when you repent, one reaction, one, one, one response is that repentance is something you feel. Second is repentance is something you say. You, 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 need to, you need to talk with God, or like, uh, like the pre-K teacher said to that three-year-old that was screaming all the time, just use your words, please, use your words, right? We need to use our words and talk with God. Uh, the prophet Hosea said, take words with you and return to the Lord. We see the people doing that here in, the, in today's passage. Verse 6 says, confessing their sins, the people were baptized by John in the Jordan River, Con they confessed their sins. Now, in, in Greek, the word um, confessing, it was a word, it came from a root word that really meant to say the same thing. And, and basically, it means to agree. And when, when we confess our sins, we are, we're just agreeing with God. We're agreeing that, that, what God, that what God's word says about our sin is true, that the verdict that his word renders on our life that, it, that it's accurate, it's correct. We're just saying, God, I agree. Guilty as charged. I'm not going to hide anything. I'm not going to make excuses. I agree with what your word says about where I am. So, for example, a, a Christian might say, Lord, your word says that friendship with the world is enmity toward God. And I agree with that. And I just need to confess there have been lots of worldly attitudes in my life. And I've been acting like I'm your enemy. Or, or a Christian might say, Lord, your word says that my greed is a form of idolatry, and I agree with that. And, and, and I, I find this, this, this growing materialism in my life, and God, I just confess, I have started to worship a false god. Or, or a Christian might say, Lord, your word says that um, lustful glances at others is really adultery of the heart, and I agree with that, and I need to confess that through my impure thoughts, I have been unfaithful. Or a Christian might say, Lord, your word says that hatred of other people 
deserves your judgment just as much as murder does. I agree with that. And I I confess that through my self-righteousness and my contempt and my anger and my condemnation, God, the, the spirit of murder is in my heart. Or a Christian might say, Lord, your word says that if I really, really love Jesus, I will keep his commands. And I haven't kept his commands. And so I just need to confess that to some degree I don't really love him. Now, how, how would it feel to you to say things like that to God? It's, it's kind of threatening, right? Just to talk with that kind of brutal honesty about your sin. I, some, some people might be threatened by that. I can almost imagine a secular psychologist saying, you know, you should not talk about yourself that way. Don't call yourself a murderer. Don't call yourself an adulterer. That's, that is not emotionally healthy. That's not good for you. Why do Christians do this? Why, why do they talk about their own sin in such in such Um, graphic and brutal terms. I'll tell you why. Because we, here's what we know. We know that on the other side of confession, we always find grace. Amen? We always find grace. Do you know this verse? 1 John 1 verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So it's kind of weird. Christians have just just this fearless ability to come to God and be completely honest. Say, God, I'm just, I'm not gonna, I'm I'm not gonna try to sugarcoat anything. I wanna tell you about what's going on in me and I'm gonna describe it in the most graphic terms because you will forgive. So, is there anything that you need, perhaps, to say to God today? Because repentance is it's something you feel, it's something you say. Thirdly, it's, repentance is something you do. Uh, let me uh, read for us again. I'll start at verse 7. It says, But when John saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers. How's, how's that for an introduction to a sermon? Hmm? I might try that next week. We'll see. Uh, he says, You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? And then he said this, produce fruit. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And don't think that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees. Every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, have you heard of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? These are two groups of religious leaders in, in, in early uh, first century Judaism. And we're not exactly sure why John singled them out for this particular scolding, but apparently these, these religious leaders, even though they're going through the motions of repentance along with everyone else, apparently John knew they really had no true intentions of actually changing. They, they, they weren't gonna change. And so John says, you need to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. You need to be willing to change. And I wonder how many of you would agree that, it, that that's necessary. It's not enough just to feel sorry, right? It's not even enough merely to say that you're sorry. If you're truly repentant, you need to be willing to make radical changes in your life. There was a, um, there was a football player at Michigan State University named Justin Lane and Justin Lane grew up in the city of Cleveland, Ohio. He and his father uh, were, for their whole lives, really big, 
big-time Cleveland Brown fans to the point that their entire house is decorated with the colors and the logo of the Browns. There's the Cleveland Brown pillow, the Cleveland Brown throw rug, the Cleveland Brown posters. They even had one room in their house, the whole room painted bright orange with a brown stripe and the, and the logo of the Browns on the wall. Big time fans. Well, anyway, last, last spring, um, Justin Lane finished his collegiate athletic career. He entered the NFL draft and he was chosen to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> you know what he did? He and his father, they repainted the whole house. Uh, the whole house. Got, got rid of everything that had to do with the Cleveland Browns. Tore it down, threw it away. They painted the room, it's no longer orange, it's now yellow and black Steelers. Now, isn't that something? I, I don't know, I don't know if uh, professional athletes have to do that, but I do know this. In the Bible, you read, you've read this. In the Bible, whenever anyone repents, they make changes in their life that are just as radical as that. When, when people repent in the Bible, it's as if they have this instinctive awareness that, if I, listen, if I'm going to follow God now, things have to change. I, I, if I belong to God now, I, I can no longer fly the colors of the old team. No more. Things have to change. I'm on a new team. I belong to God now, Right? So, for example, in the Bible, when Zacchaeus, the tax collector, repented of his thievery, you know what he did? He quit stealing. And, and, and when the uh, Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, when she repented of her promiscuity, you know what she did? She stopped sleeping around. And, and when this young man Gideon in the book of Judges, when, when he repented of the idolatry in his, in his father's household, you know what he did? He went out and he tore down the statue of Baal, the false idol. He tore it down, chopped it to pieces, burned it in the fire. Just, it, this is done. This is out of our lives now. So they, they all demonstrate this like instinctive awareness. If I'm going to repent, things have to change. I wonder if, if you can point to anything in your life that has changed since you came to Jesus or anything that is changing right now, some way that you're just, you're fighting against something. I, I, would, I would affirm and applaud that, my brother, my sister, if, if that kind of change has happened because that's essential to repentance. Again, the old Westminster Confession says, uh, Catechism says this. It says that when we truly repent, it says, quote, we turn from our sin with full resolve and effort after new obedience, we make changes. Now, I wonder if you'd agree with me that this is where we really, really need God's help, right? We can't, you can't change your life on your own. My, my, my friends in, in the recovery movement, have told, they'll tell me, listen, you, you can't do it. You need, you need that higher power. You need, you need power from somewhere outside yourself. And so the Bible gives us this promise that when we come to Christ, this is so mysterious, isn't it? When we come to Christ, God sends his own Holy Spirit to be intimately, actively involved in every detail of our life. And, and so we find things like this in, in, the, in the Bible. Romans 8, 13 says, if by the Spirit, you can't do it in your own strength, if by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Just to point out from that verse, the Spirit's the one who gives the power, but He's not the one who puts to death the misdeeds of the body. You do that by His power. You, you make these changes in His strength. 
So that's repentance. Repentance is something you feel, something you say, something you do, and then finally, repentance is someone you seek. It's a, it's a person. Now, John says something very interesting at the end of today's passage. By the way, it, it, it is amazing to me what was happening in the ministry of John the Baptist. It must, it must have been just earth-shaking what was taking place. You, you'll notice verse 5 says, People from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of Jordan were going out to him in the wilderness. So there must have been thousands and thousands of men and women, perhaps entire families, leaving behind their homes, going out to this very remote place for this very strange individual. You read about how he dressed and, and what he ate. But they didn't care. They're just streaming out into the desert to, uh, with deep, deep contrition over um, the, their sins, submitting to the water of baptism, brutally confessing with honesty the, 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 uh, the ways that they've, they've grieved the Lord, this sincere desire to make changes in their life. It was a powerful moment spiritually. And yet, did you notice what John says to them at the end of the passage? With all of this that's going on, he, he says, listen, I see that you're repenting, but you need something more. You see, you need something more than what I can give you, more than, more than feelings, more than words, more even than behavioral change. He's saying there is someone you need, a person that you need who can make you new on the inside. And here's the way John says it. Verse 11, he says, I, I baptize you with water for repentance. Now, water... Water can get you wet on the outside, right? It get, water can, can uh, kind of clean the exterior of your body. But John says that's not enough. I, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me, he says, comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Anybody here know who is John talking about? Nobody knows. Terry? All right, thank you. He's talking about Jesus. He, he's, he's saying to them, guys, listen, um, you need Jesus. Right, John? So John's role was to prepare people for the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. Right? John, John, verse 3 says, John is the voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Jesus is the Lord. John was the servant. Jesus is the king. John was the messenger, okay? Jesus is the whole point of the message. So, so John is saying, listen, the, the, whole, the whole purpose of repentance is not just for you to, uh, to go through all these kinds of actions to try to make yourself a better person. He says the whole purpose of repentance is for you to meet the better person, meet the best person, to meet Christ. When, when God, guys, when God calls us to repent, he, he's not just saying, listen, I want you to try hard to be like Jesus. He's saying, no, I'm inviting you to come be with Jesus, with him. So, so baptism, it's really, it's, it's, this, it's this invitation more than anything, or not baptism, repentance is this invitation, come home. Come home. I think, isn't that the way Jesus described repentance? You know that story from Luke 15. Jesus told this story. That he says there was, this, there was this young man who rebelled against his father, and he ran away from home, and he completely trashed his life. You know that story? And then he said when that young man got ready to repent, all he did was he just 
He just came home. And that's what repentance is. It's coming. It's not just things that you do. It's coming home, coming to a person. So John says, this person I'm telling you about, he's far greater than I am. He can do things I could never do for you. I baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Spirit and with fire. And ever since then, Bible scholars have wondered, what does this mean, baptized with the Spirit and fire? Is that one baptism, Spirit, fire, baptism? Or is it is this two different baptisms? First you get the Spirit, then you get the fire. Is the fire good or is the fire judgment? What, what is this talking about here, the Spirit and fire? I, here's what I think. I think John here, he's echoing a prophecy about the Messiah from Isaiah chapter 4. In Isaiah chapter 4, there's this, there's this prophecy this prophecy about the messianic age. And, 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 and Isaiah says someday someone will come and he calls him the branch, the, the righteous branch will come. And when he comes, Isaiah says, God will baptize, God will cleanse his people from all their impurity. He will cleanse them or baptize them, Isaiah says, with the spirit of judgment and with fire. And then if you read in Isaiah, it says when God does this, when he cleanses his people this way, that old pillar of fire and pillar of cloud that was with them in the Exodus, this presence of God will come and will rest over God's people once again, and they will be home. God will be with his people. And so I think that John was saying, just echoing this prophecy that they would have known, just saying, listen, there is somebody coming, and when you meet him, I'm telling you, when you meet him, he will do something in you that is so powerful, you'll be home again. The glory, the presence of God will be right there with you. You'll be home. And so repentance, something you feel. If you don't feel anything today, maybe, you know, maybe you're just tired, it's okay. But if you go day after day after day not feeling a longing for God, would you, would you be willing to begin to pray, Holy Spirit, soften me, soften me. I want to feel a hunger for you. It's something you feel. It's something you say. Maybe there are some things you need to say to God. God, I need to talk about what's going on in my life. I, I'm, I've been kind of running from you. It's time to talk. It's something you feel, something you say. It's something you do. Perhaps today the Holy Spirit's tapping you on the shoulder. You know what you need to do. He'll empower you to do it. But more than anything, it's not just something you feel, say, do. It's repentance is someone you seek, someone who today is calling you. So I wonder if, in what way, in, in what way is God calling you to repent today? Maybe, listen, maybe you have never, ever even taken one step toward Jesus, and today is the day. Like God is saying, come on, come on. Take that first step. Come to my, come home. I'm waiting. Maybe that's you. Or, or maybe you've, you've walked many steps with Christ. You've, you've known him for years, but um, Christian, you know how it is. You can kind of start to drift, feel distant. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe today God is lovingly just saying, come on, repent, repent, come home again, come home. Whatever it is, um, wh listen, when God gives this gift of repentance to his people, when he calls us, this is a sign of his blessing and his love. 
And so let's, let us respond to that with faith. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the ministry of John that prepared people for the work of Jesus. We ask for you to prepare us for new work that Jesus will do in us today and in the days to come for his glory. Amen.